throws near sideline, and it's intercepted. Intercepted, Kaylee Ringo at the 21, 15, 10, 5, touchdown, 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 Georgia. Think about Loa trying to make up for it. Fires to the end zone, touchdown, Alabama wins. Seth Small, 10 of 11 on the year, from 28 yards away for an Aggie upset win. Fifty-six yarder. It's got no. Does not have the leg. And Chris Davis takes it in the back of the end zone. There goes Davis. Oh my God! Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. Welcome to Student Section, a student media poll podcast. Your home for all things SEC football. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Student Section. I'm your host, Jack Duffy. I am a student journalist at the University of Georgia. I'm joined alongside, as always, by my co-host, Michael Hull, a student journalist from the University of Florida. Michael, we took a week off last week. We did. We did. It was it was a, it was a busy time for both of us. It's been busy with midterm on. school and whatnot. And just I kind of I texted you like Friday night. I was like, hey, we definitely forgot to do this yeah and it, it kind of slipped both uh, of our minds <laughs> yeah it just happened to um, oh okay. good thing we didn't miss any like big football games though right no no it was a pretty it was a pretty light week in the sec right yeah like, i don't yeah, think anything like, happened like there there was only like a matchup between the two number one teams and the respective. Yeah, I, and... I love how the one week we forget to do this is like the biggest week of SEC football <laughs> since this podcast started. Yeah, it, it was quite a big week. We missed the preview of Georgia, Tennessee, which set up a one versus three matchup in the college football playoff poll and a one versus two matchup in the AP poll. And then we yeah, missed the preview it. of Alabama LSU. Yeah, so like um, the East and the West were kind of decided last week. Yeah, I mean, listen, you're you've never seen another podcast in the entire country work as hard as we're gonna work the rest of the season, and you'll never see someone push a podcast as hard as we're gonna push this podcast the rest of the season. You've never seen a podcast play harder, work harder, produce harder, talk more than we will the rest of the season. God bless. God, God bless. And that that is Michael Hull's promise on November 9th, 2022, when we recorded this. <laughs> and, you know, we did miss previewing the biggest games, but we're going to recap the biggest games of the season. That's all that matters. Yeah, that's all that matters. We're going to we be wrong about our predictions. Right. Because like, I was definitely going to predict LSU winning and Georgia winning, obviously. I was obviously going to pre- predict Georgia winning by 700 and, uh, you know, LSU squeaking out a win in overtime by going for two when they didn't have to, of course. So, but yeah, let's, let's, let's get into it. You know, let's talk about it. Georgia, Tennessee. Georgia, Tennessee, 27 to 13. That score looks a lot closer than the game actually was. It was not close. Georgia dominated this game from the very start. I mean, their first off offensive possession, they fumbled the ball. And 
I was in the stands kind of worried. I was like, oh boy, the turnovers are starting to happen. Tennessee will take advantage. But Tennessee only, like, they get the ball on their own 40 and they go down the field and they only kick a field goal. So from the beginning, Georgia set the tone uh, playing their style of defense, man coverage on Tennessee's receivers, and they really held him down. They sacked Hendon Hooker six times, pressured him so many more. Uh, they had, I believe the number was eight pre-snap penalties Tennessee did the crowd in Sanford Stadium supposedly hit 137 decibels that's what it read on the jumbotron I'm not sure how accurate that really is but it was loud it was very very loud uh and Tennessee was rattled Michael I mean this was the biggest game in the SEC this year what what do you make of this performance out of Georgia yeah, I mean, I think it just shows you that this Georgia defense is so really, really darn good. I mean, like Hendon Hooker had been carving up elite defenses this year. I mean, Alabama's not the Alabama that we've known, um, but they're still a good defense. Kentucky has still had a solid defense this year. And Tennessee put up 44 and 52 against those two teams. Um, And then Hooker looked fantastic all year long and then he just looked rattled in that game going into into Athens against this defense like he had no answer for what Kirby Smart was throwing at him like you said just pressured all day long never got comfortable in the game he threw for less than 200 yards for I think the first time this season I could be wrong about that but um one interception zero touchdowns from Hooker like it was just a hounding defensive performance. And like you said, the score is better than it seems. They scored a late touchdown to at least make it look respectable. But this game should have been 27 to 6. Um, and I guess credit to Stetson Bennett. I don't really want to give him credit, but I guess give him I, his flowers, Michael. <laughs> he, he played well. I mean, ran in a touchdown, threw two more, like he, he looked good. I don't, I mean, Tennessee's defense has been its it's Achilles heel this year. We know, we knew that. Um, but yeah, I think this just again proves how dominant Georgia is. Um, and 12 and O should be like, should be the expectation at this point. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, this was your, by far your biggest test because the rest of the season, you have Mississippi state ranked Kentucky. Ranked they, barely Kentucky. Beat, they barely beat Missouri, but they're ranked. They are ranked Georgia Tech. Yeah. Um, yeah. so that this should be an undefeated regular season again for Georgia. And then you get into the SEC championship and you probably won't even be playing Alabama. So who knows? But yeah, this was just proving again that Georgia is the team to beat in the SEC now. Uh it it's official. It it you heard it from the Florida writer. It's official. Georgia is the team to beat out of the SEC. And like it's not even an exaggeration at this point. Georgia has the talent year after year now. They have built a program that has modeled Nick Saban's Alabama from the last 10-15 years. They reload after losing five first round draft picks on defense, 15 total players to the draft. They reload and they're able to come back and win 
potentially another 12 games in a regular season, go on to win an SEC championship and, and try and compete for another national championship. This team, I mean, we talked about how they imposed their will on defense. Uh, Kirby Smart brought lots of pressure from outsides, whether it was dropping the linebackers in zone and bringing pressure from the defensive backs. Uh, there were there was multiple plays, and I, there was a drive where Hendon Hooker got sacked three times, two of them from Javon Bullard, one of the defensive backs, because he was just on a heat-seeking missile blitz and just went through the backfield untouched. Those kinds of plays, like the Georgia defense did what they had to do. The coverage was excellent against uh, Cedric Tillman, Jalen Hyatt, all those guys. But I think what Georgia also proved is that they can do the exact same thing on offense. It's they don't have to play the same style of offense every single game, but they will make you play their style of game that they want every single game. Georgia comes out swinging early. I mean, when I looked at the scoring drives where Stetson runs in for a touchdown, Lad McConkey touchdown first play of that drive, uh, and then a Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint really nice catch in the end zone for a touchdown to go up twenty one to three. Uh, they were playing Tennessee's game. They were attacking them like they were the spread team that they they were coming at you from all angles that you had no answers and and to be fair, that's kind of. Tennessee's defense's weakness. We've seen that time and time again. I mean, when they beat Alabama, they they still allowed 49 points. So, like, that kind of stuff, you know, we knew that out of Tennessee. But Georgia played that style of football because they can. They have the talent to do so. They weren't lacking at receiver. Arian Smith came back, made big plays. Uh, and this was out without A.D. Mitchell. Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington, they they had a few plays, but they weren't the story in this game. They proved that they don't have to be the story. Uh, Kenny McIntosh had a big catch. I mean, this Georgia offense really took care of business. And then in the second half, when it started raining, they parked the bus. All they had to do was, we're going to run it down your throat. We're going to drain clock, and you're not going to touch the ball. I knew this game was over when it was it was 24 to 6 coming out of halftime. And Georgia gets a three and out from Tennessee and goes on an eight minute drive only to score three points. That was their only points of the second half. They scored a field goal to go up to 27, but they drained eight minutes out of the clock and you knew exactly what the plan was the rest of the way. Tennessee is not going to touch the ball like we want them to. We're going to dial up pressure. They're going to go three and out and we're just going to drain the clock the rest of the way. We we have the win in the bag. <laughs> And so mm-hmm. for me, it's a statement win because Georgia just proved against the best of teams, they can force their opponents to play their style of ball. Uh, whatever style that may be. Kirby might decide next week that against Mississippi State, he wants to match the air raid with Mike Leach. And like they'll, but that's, they're going to have to come and play that style of ball against them. Um, and it, it'll be really interesting how, that looks against top teams, especially if Georgia goes into the playoff and plays teams like Ohio State or a Michigan or a TCU. Um, but yeah, real statement win out of Athens, Georgia. Really, I mean, it was one of the best environments I've ever been in. I went to the 2019 uh, Notre Dame game, and that was by far and away my favorite game I've attended as a, a fan. 
this took the cake. This was easily number one. Just like the rain energized the crowd. It was fantastic. It was there was a party basically the entire time, and Georgia dominated on the field and fed into the crowd. Um, it was a fantastic game and all credit to to like Tennessee this 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 run they've been on uh they still have a chance to make the playoff michael i don't know if you you think uh they're out of it or not uh but i mean talk to me about tennessee and and where they go from here no i mean they're definitely not out of it right i mean if they went out they're still a one loss team who lost to the most likely sec champions um, because if the West kind of goes the way it's going, um, and I think it will, if LSU doesn't lose another game and it's LSU and then Georgia beats LSU, the committee would put in a one loss Tennessee team over a three loss LSU, I think. Yeah. Um, so it's just a matter of would that fourth spot go to a school like TCU, maybe a Michigan, who knows? Um, and that would be kind of the, kind of the debate there, but as long as Tennessee wins out, I think they're still very much in the playoff conversation. What about you? What do you think? Yeah, I think they're, they're right in the thick of it. Um, uh, like you said, they, they've had a really good resume and the win that kind of stands out more and more as this season goes on, we're about to talk about LSU, but, but Tennessee went to Baton Rouge and blew out the Tigers, um, that win stands out to me. They beat Alabama. That's always going to boost your resume. You got wins over Florida and Pittsburgh. Um, like those kinds of, you have a resume that that proves you can beat top teams in the country. You just couldn't beat the top team in the country at the moment. Um, and I don't think the committee will hold that against them. Because like, too, if you, you get into a conversation with like, Oregon, let's say, or let's say Oregon goes on 12 and one and wins the Pac-12. Tennessee and Oregon have a common opponent and they're Georgia and Georgia beat Oregon 49 to three and Georgia only beat Tennessee 27 to 13. So you kind of have that conversation. Uh, Tennessee is sitting in a more pretty spot in that sense. But yeah, it's definitely it's going to come down. Tennessee isn't in the driver's seat, but they still have a really good chance of making it if the cards fall. Um, and I think if you're a volunteer fan, I think that's what you want. I mean, it's been, you, you weren't even expected to get this far. You weren't expected to have an 11 on one season and there you're still alive for the playoff. You're, you're no, you're not dead by any means. So this is certainly not the result you wanted last week, but you're still in it. And, it could still inevitably be your year. If you make the playoff and make a run, uh, Tennessee could still be national champions by the end of this. So uh, who's to say, but I want to talk about the game in Baton Rouge. Like we said, that win against LSU for Tennessee looks a lot better. It's because LSU knocked off Alabama after an overtime gutsy call by Brian Kelly. They score a touchdown to tie or to, to go 30-31 in overtime. And instead of sending out the field goal unit, Brian Kelly says, no, we're going to go for the win. And that's exactly what they did. And they converted and they win. LSU is in the driver's seat. And it has, I think ESPN said, an 85% chance of winning the West. Now, Michael, what what happened? What happened to the Tide? And what, what, what do we make of LSU? That's a great question. What happened? 
that, that's yeah. something I've been trying to figure out since I saw the result of this game. I'll be honest, I did not watch this game. I was in Greenville, South Carolina at a Zach Bryan concert. Um, but I just have watched the highlights and that that call by Brian Kelly at the end there was something. It was gutsy. Um and I completely agree with it. You have the momentum. You you decide we want to win this game here and now. Like you're the underdog. They were 14, no, 13 and a half point dogs. Um, yeah, you decide to go for the win and you kind of just put put your cards on the table, your balls on the line, and it, it paid off for him. Um and Jaden Daniels really impressed me. Yeah. And he has really since this entire second half of the year. Um, I mean, shout out Florida for making Jaden Daniels look like a Heisman candidate because he put up six touchdowns against them and then went out, looked great against Old Miss, and then looked great against Bama. I mean, he outplayed Bryce Young in this game. Bryce Young, we were talking about this earlier. I mean, Alabama just kind of forced Bryce Young to make every play in the book. And I mean, he didn't. He completed less than 50% of his passes. One touchdown, one interception. Um, he threw for over 300 yards, but it helps when he's throwing the ball 51 times. Yeah. Um, I mean, Bama really couldn't get much going on the ground. Jameer Gibbs had 99 yards rushing, which is obviously still good. Um, but against an LSU defense that has not been good this year, I think Saban, I think Bama fans, I think everyone expected more from this Alabama team. And it's we're kind of in an odd spot now where Bama is outside of the top six in the college football playoff rankings for, I think, the first time ever. And no one really knows how to act because we're all like, wait, is this playoff not going to have Alabama? Like, it's not going to. Like, Bama's not – they're a two-loss team that's not going to make the SEC championship. Like, it, it's just – it's it's over for them. Um, and I don't really know what, like, th- this is kind of new territory for everyone. Um, it's exciting territory, but it's definitely new territory. It'd be interesting to see how Saban treats the last, uh, the last few games of the season and kind of see how this team, uh, this team responds this week with a top 25 matchup against Ole Miss. Yeah. It'll be really interesting. I was going to say that this upcoming week because they have to get up again and go on the road to Oxford. And, and we'll talk about it in a little bit. They have to go and play Ole Miss. I, I think they could easily be a three loss team by the end of this regular season. Um, and I think what impressed me the most, Jaden Daniels definitely did out of LSU, but uh, this was not a matchup where I thought LSU would be able to run the ball. Uh, and they only rushed for around, 175 yards I say only um but Jane Daniels rushed for 96 the averages are what's uh concerning for the Alabama defense Jane Daniels averaged 5.3 yards per carry uh Williams dro- uh dropped 7.7 yards a carry and Emory Jr dropped 5.2 a carry so for for the Alabama defense who like prides itself on being physical and being able to stop up front, they just couldn't do it. And um it's kind of just how we've seen this season go go on. 
Bama once again struggled with penalties. I, I think they were close to double digit penalties. It might have been nine. Um, but undisciplined. Uh they haven't had the creativity and play calling on offense. There it we were talking before the show, it kind of feels more like they're relying on Bryce Young to have a magical moment, make plays, whether it's with his feet or through the air. They don't really have the receivers to get open like they uh they have in years past and so for for Bryce Young it's kind of unfair to be like well he hasn't been putting up great performances the offensive scheme has just been terrible and Bill O'Brien deserves to be held accountable for it Bill O'Brien might he won't be he'll get a head coaching job somewhere Bill O'Brien might be a head coach at a power five school at the end of this year and he shouldn't be his his play calling has been atrocious for Alabama uh, the coordinators revolving door of coordinators in Alabama kind of feels like it's it's kind of coming back to bite Saban uh, this year. People are coming out and saying the dynasty is dead. I mean, there's so many reactive. Um, I mean, Paul Feinbaum won uh, just like saying Feinbaum's overreactive always, things. Don't listen. listen. Don't listen. To be fair. Don't listen. The dynasty's not dead. When you hear rumblings of Saban thinking about retirement. That's how, you know, it's on the downslope. I think I forget who said this uh, or where Saban said it, but someone asked him, it may have been this year, may have been last year. Someone asked him like when he would like hang it up, like, like when he would walk off into the sunset and he was basically like, like I will obviously know that way before you guys will. Um, he's he's not gonna go down with the ship. He no. will go out on top. Um, so that's why I think this offseason will be really interesting for Alabama. Um, because I think if they have another quote unquote lackluster season next year, then it'd be interesting to see if Saban comes back. Like if they put up like if they finish like eighth in the country, something like that, but aren't national title contenders, is that when he kind of hangs up his cleats? Uh, but as long as Saban's there, the dynasty's not dead. Yeah. Like yeah. as long as he's in control, they will be a national title contender every year he's there. Yeah. And I saw a stat like while Saban's been there, there hasn't been more than like two years, like consecutively, like where he hasn't won a national title. So like it'll be like two years national title, one year national title, two more years national title. So, like, he hasn't won a national title in two years, which makes me really think next year Alabama is going to be right back in the thick of it, and they will be probably hoisting the national championship trophy. I say that. I that's don't. So, that's so stupid. That's it's annoying. Stupid. It's annoying. It's so annoying. <laughs> and so I would say the, the talks of that probably need to slow down. The dynasty is not dead, especially when Nick Saban's still bringing in number one and number two ranked recruiting classes every single year. Like he's going to bring in talent. It's about coaching them the right way and bringing in the right coordinators, which I don't really think he has right now. I don't think the coordinators are the right ones for the program. And I, I think that's kind of where there's been some missteps. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really interesting. It's going to be, Nobody saw this coming. Um, I, our SEC West preview, we both had Alabama going over the 11 and a half 
win total because we just assumed Alabama was going 12-0. and It was a, a rebuilding season when they lost in the national championship game last year. And so we're assuming they were going to go on and win a national championship this year. So, yeah, they, they did not meet expectations. But any other program other than about three in this country right now would be thrilled with a 10-2 and season, potential of going to a New Year's Six Bowl and and uh, having like a, a decent offseason. But that's not Alabama. They missed expectations. And for LSU, they have to win on Saturday against, I believe it's Arkansas this week. And they have to have, they're rooting for Bama now because if Bama beats Ole Miss and LSU wins, LSU clinches the West and you got Georgia on the other side, clinches the East with a win, any win or any Tennessee loss and Georgia clinches the East. Uh, So those are your clinching scenarios uh, for the SEC championship game. Ole Miss still has a chance if they win this weekend and then, and LSU loses at any point there, then in the driver's seat. But uh, I really think LSU is going to be the one to play in Atlanta. And it'll be interesting to see that matchup between Georgia and LSU down the line. Michael, are there any other games this week that caught your eye? I know I know, Fl- Florida actually had a, a pretty big week against Texas A&M. And Texas A&M, God love them. Texas, Texas, Texas A&M is a dumpster fire, man. It's fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. I mean, yeah, Florida looks good against against the Aggies. Um, Anthony Richardson made some made some throws that I was like, oh, this is why people think he could go to the NFL this year. He was really impressive. Broke off like a 60-yard touchdown run. Um, there was one throw towards the back corner of the end zone. Uh, it was early in the third quarter, um, and it was just perfectly placed back shoulder throw. That was like an NFL level throw. I still don't think he's there yet, personally. Um, but it was a big win for Florida. They needed they needed that win coming off of the Georgia game, which we didn't end up talking about the the recap of that. We don't we don't have to. The half of the third quarter was really fun for me. The rest uh, of it was not fun. I was I was being haunted by twenty eight to three for that game i i really was but as soon as that score was on the was on the jumbotron i texted jack and i was like you know what the most dangerous lead in sports is and he was like don't do it don't do it (laughs) um and it almost it for like a glimpse of a second (laughs) like because florida cut it to within a possession but yeah they needed that after losing to lsu which that loss looks a lot better now and losing to Georgia. They needed this win over AM, especially because AM is in shambles They're upon shambles inside of a dumpster fire, inside of a train wreck. It's terrible what's going on there. Um last thought on Florida, all their losses this year have been to top 25 opponents. Obviously, you have number one Georgia, number five, Tennessee, uh LSU, and then Kentucky, who is still ranked. Um, so for the Napier era, like obviously you don't want to be five and four, but they've played hard and the rest of the season they have South Carolina, Vandy, and FSU. They should finish seven and five at the minimum. Um, ideally eight and four, but I think seven to eight wins is right around where we predicted they would be at this podcast. I think the week one win over Utah kind of got everyone. Everyone excited and their their expectations a little out of whack. Um, but this is still a rebuilding program. Um, 
So yeah, no, it was it was a good weekend for for the Gators. Yeah, really big win. They needed it, uh, like you said. Uh, and, and Texas A&M now suffers the fate of having to go to Auburn and play a three and six Auburn team. The loser of that game will not be bowl eligible. <laughs> so they're paying Jimbo Fisher hundreds of millions of dollars, and uh, they're not even going to be bowl eligible, I think, at the end of the season. So uh, that's the state of the Texas A&M program at the moment. But, yeah, big, big win for, for Florida. And like you said, Florida's rebuilding, and they're losing the, to the teams that – they're supposed to lose. To. They're losing to a team. They're losing to the teams that rebuilding teams should lose to. Yeah, and they're beating the teams they should beat. Which, yeah. when you're when you're Billy Napier, you don't want to be losing the games that you should be winning, uh, as well as losing the games that you should lose. And so, for I, I think it's so far this season, he's run a tight ship, and and knowing that like Florida's just not at the talent level of some of the top teams in the SEC just yet. Um that's kind of helping this process because they're they're five and four have a really good chance of being seven, five, eight and four, uh making a decent bowl. And if they win that bowl, they they might be off season momentum champions. Uh that's that's a very realistic possibility. So big win for Florida. Other other SEC scores this week, I mean Mississippi State beat Auburn in overtime. Auburn looked a little bit different after firing Brian Harson. They looked like they had a little bit of a new fire under them with Cadillac Williams as their coach. Um, but they're still same old Auburn as this year that they're three and six and probably will not make a bowl. Um, Liberty eight and one Liberty somehow came out and beat Arkansas and Fayetteville. So not a good look for Sam Pittman, but uh and, and this season has kind of gotten away from him. But Liberty is also a decent team. I think they should probably be ranked in the, the college football playoff rankings. They're not, but they should be, I think. Um, and so Arkansas kind of just let one get away there uh, towards the end. Which leads us to, to week 11. There's not a whole lot of great games this week. But there is Bama Ole Miss. Bama obviously coming off a loss. Bama doesn't really lose back-to-back games under Nick Saban. Not at least in the last six or seven years have they really lost back-to-back games. Um, I think the stat is like they lost, the last time they lost back-to-back games was like 2014 or something. Um, something crazy stupid. Um, but Ole Miss is, is still in contention for the SEC West. So, Michael, I'm curious to hear, do you think Ole Miss comes out and, and – Puts Bama down, kicks them while they're down. I I don't. I think Alabama will win this game, but I think it'll be closer than the line has it. The line has Bama favored by fourteen, I believe. And that doesn't that that doesn't seem right to me. Um, like this Ole Miss team is interesting. Obviously, their one loss is to to LSU. Um. They've played well at times this year. They've played really poorly at times this year. Be interesting to see which version of Ole Miss we're getting, which version of that defense, which version of Jackson Dart. Um, Lane Kiffin 
was doing some gamesmanship on Twitter already this week. He tweeted out that he was reading the leadership secrets of Nick Saban, um, how Alabama's coach was hitting the greatest ever by John Talty. He tweeted just a picture of that book. So he is already trying to mess with Alabama fans. It's it's not going to touch Nick Saban. I don't even know if he knows what Twitter is. Um, but Kiffin's having fun with it, so that's good for him. I just, like you said, I don't, Bama doesn't lose back-to-back games. I do not see them losing. I don't see Saban losing to Lane Kiffin. Uh, we love the Lane train here. Obviously, we've been on the Lane train since the start of this show, but it's it's Saban. I'm not I'm not betting against him to lose back to back weeks. Yeah, and I think the fact that they're already at two losses this season, I just feel like they're at their quota. <laughs> I it's <laughs> it doesn't feel like they're gonna lose another game. They might lose their bowl game because their players decide they're they're not gonna play in it, and and whatever they might be a three loss team after their bowl game. I I just don't know that I see it this week. Um, like you said, I think Jackson Dart needs to to play well. And and that Ole Miss defense that showed up when they played Kentucky needs to show up. Uh, they need to be like that gritty, like get down in the dirt with you and, and um, really make you work for it, which I think the way Alabama's offensive line is playing and, and how Bryce Young is playing uh, in recent games uh, is possible. I think Ole Miss has a, a chance to get pressure and, and make some, some noise it's going to come down to who controls the tempo and if Ole Miss can run the ball like LSU did. Like, I didn't think LSU could run the ball last week. If Ole Miss can run the ball uh, and keep the ball out of Bryce Young's hands, uh, I mean, anything can happen, really, because if that that Ole Miss defense comes up with a turnover or gets one stop, then this game could get really interesting. Um, This The line, like you said, is like, I see it as 12 points for Alabama right now, but the over-under is like 64 and a half. So it's probably going to be high scoring. Alabama's defense is not as good as it has been in recent years. Um, We've seen that since the Tennessee game, obviously, when they allowed 51 points. I think Ole Miss will be able to score. I do think they cover this spread. Um, I'm not going to make it my uh, lock of the week because I could easily see Alabama being up by seven late with the ball and then somehow putting like a touchdown up to, to cover. And, and this game looks a little bit farther apart than it, it was, but I think Ole Miss covers uh, in a close one and Alabama basically locks up the sec West for LSU this week with a win. Um, so It'll, that that's an interesting sentence that I did not expect to say at the beginning of the season when we had no idea what to think of LSU, but in my mind, um, that's, I, I think that's how this goes this weekend. Yeah. Is this the ultimate letdown spot for LSU? It, it 100% is 100%. like, cause I'm looking, we can talk about that game right now. If you want to, they're only yeah. a three point favorite over Arkansas. Yeah. Arkansas just lost to Liberty. Like they're spiraling a bit. LSU's on the top of the world right now. It'll be really interesting to see how Brian Kelly gets his guys up for this game. It's a noon kick. I mean, you just came off of back-to-back top 10 victories. Yeah. And the day and the game before that, you beat a rival by 10 on the road. 
Like you've had three straight weeks of just like pure ecstasy. And now you have to come down to play Arkansas. It'll be really, really telling, especially early on, um, just how disciplined this LSU team really is. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really interested to see that. Yeah, and KJ Jefferson too has not had uh, a really good set of games recently. Um, he probably will want to bounce back, and I expect a decent game out of him. I don't expect him to put another dud out there. So for me, I definitely see this as a letdown spot. I mean, it, it comes always when you play Alabama. Um, and that's just the kind of standard that Alabama has set in the SEC. Whether you win or lose to Alabama, the next few games after, you'll usually see opponents either lose and slide a little bit uh, or struggle. And so I definitely think um, LSU is in prime territory to struggle. Uh, Not sure about lose just yet. Arkansas really hasn't been playing well. They've been injured um, a lot, especially on defense and their secondary, um, which might be a good thing for Jaden Daniels. But yeah, I would I would expect LSU to struggle a little bit to start. They they have they've had to get up for multiple games in a row, and this kind of feels like a game where they don't have to get up for because Arkansas isn't playing well this season. But I on any given Saturday, I feel like they could get up and, and show LSU the business. So that is something to look out for, which would open up some really interesting possibilities if LSU loses, and then now there's a basic three-way tie in the sec west coming down to tiebreakers and and a few games left in the season um so yeah it'll be interesting any other games this week that catch your eye georgia plays mississippi state which will be an interesting matchup their defense against the mike leach air raid um is there anything you see out of either that game or any other games yeah i think that'll be interesting i don't i don't think mississippi state has the offensive talent regardless of the air raid I think Georgia will shut that down. Um, I mean, Florida plays USC. uh, South Carolina. I mean, Spencer Rattler coming into the swamp, who has very eerily similar stats passing the ball to Anthony Richardson. I'm just looking at this. Uh, Rattler has thrown for 1,837 yards. Richardson has thrown for 1,839. Rattler has eight passing touchdowns. Richardson has nine. Richardson has seven interceptions. Rattler has nine. So very, very similar passing ball. So what Obviously, you're saying Richardson... is Richardson is oh, no, 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 no. Spencer Rattler. Listen, let me finish. <laughs> Spencer Rattler was supposed to be much better than this. Yeah. And Anthony Richardson is in his first season as a starter and is also doing a lot, lot more with his legs and has been super dynamic. I was more saying it as an insult to the Rattler than I was comparing the two. Um. Florida is an eight-point favorite. Sounds about right. The over-under is 59. I'd hammer the over. Neither of these teams can defend. And Florida's offense looked sick against Texas A&M last week. Um, In the Swamp, it'll be my last home game as a student. Single tear rolls down my cheek on that one. Um, I mean, South Carolina beat Vanderbilt by 11 last week. Yeah. And they lost 23 to 10 to Missouri. Florida should cover that eight point spread. South Carolina, I mean, they are bowl eligible. They've had a really good stretch since losing to Georgia. They're uh, 
five and one, I think, is the record since losing to Georgia. So uh, one loss was to Missouri. It was to Missouri, but we we know to respect Missouri. We respect we respect Missouri. We do. We respect Missouri on this podcast. They're a very tough team. They're a very tough team. They're tough uh, out. They're a gritty team. They're a gritty team. You know, uh, Tennessee plays Missouri this week. That's that's a letdown spot. It's a very very big letdown spot. Um, but yeah, no, I think that Florida South Carolina game is interesting because it it really feels like these teams are kind of at the same juncture when it comes to their teams. Like obviously uh, Shane Beamer is one year ahead than Billy Napier. And like, so they're probably one step ahead in a rebuilding process and South Carolina probably won't ever reach what Florida would reach at the end of a rebuild, just because of like the history of South Carolina's program compared to the history of Florida's um, and recruiting wise. But I, I do think this is a spot where South Carolina uh, could pull off an upset uh, if Spencer Rattler has a good game and the South Carolina defense is able to contain Anthony Richardson and just have him try and throw. Uh, because when he has been, he's proven that when you take away the run and you make him one dimensional, sometimes he struggles and Anthony Richardson isn't always uh, a perfect passer. So I, I do think this is a spot where South Carolina could pull an upset. Eight points is a lot, but also I could see Florida winning this by a touchdown and and um, potentially more. So, yeah, I want to make my lock of the week Auburn minus one and a half against Texas A&M. I really like the way they played against Mississippi State and the heart they had with Cadillac Williams as their uh their head coach um and i really think auburn's going to come out and beat texas a&m and send the aggies to non bowl eligibility i do think texas a&m only has one more win left on their schedule michael I'm, i i mean they play umass what what, yeah. what do you, what do you think here i agree i yeah. like that i think that Cadillac Williams, interim head coach. I think that Auburn's playing inspired and Texas A&M could not be in a worse spot. So I like that as your lock. Um, I'm going to make my lock Florida minus eight just, just because it's my last, it's my last game. I'm going to, I'm going to be biased with it. I think Florida, <laughs> I think Florida blows them out of the water. There you go. Anthony Richardson Heisman campaign is still on baby. That's like me saying Stetson's Heisman campaign is still on, which it is. It is. Don't it get is. me wrong. Don't if get his me wrong. is on, AR's is on. AR yeah. 2023 Heisman. Here, here, I'll offer you a trade. Okay. Georgia Natty and Stetson Heisman this year in exchange for losing to Florida and Florida goes undefeated national champion AR Heisman next year. This is very so tough you- you get the joy this year, but delayed pain. I yeah. get the pain this year and delayed happiness. So here's here's my thing. Georgia already has a national championship in the last year. I'm going to say no. I'm going to decline <laughs> the trade request. Because I think no matter what, I think Georgia has a very good chance of winning the national championship anyway. <laughs> so uh, Yeah, but Stetson doesn't have a good chance to win the husband. He doesn't have to win the Heisman. Brock Bowers will do it anyway. <laughs> but yeah, actually, you know who is a very sneaky, sneaky 
Heisman campaign. People are saying he's having fun and he's focused and he's a dark horse. Bo Nix? Bo Nix at Oregon, folks. I, I know as a student Bo section. Ducks. Bo Ducks. As student section listeners may know, we, we've we had a love-hate relationship with Mr. Bo Nix. He is killing it over at Oregon. After Since the game against Georgia, he has had basically the best season of his life, and he might find himself in New York for the Heisman campaign. So that's that's really an interesting storyline to follow outside of the SEC, but kind of relates to the SEC. I'm sure Auburn fans are loving it. Um, but yeah, so that's really week 11. Not a whole lot going on. Week 12 is also pretty weak as well. Um, just like getting ready for rivalry week and then finally coming down to like conference championship games and bowl games. So our our season is really winding down here, which it's Michael, sad. it's sad. It's sad. It feels like it just started. It, feels like it, it does. Started. So it really does. It feels like, yeah, it's sad. It's sad. And and we will continue to provide all of the previews and recaps the rest of the way um, as we get closer and closer to, to playoff selection and, and breaking down all of those those matchups as well. So as we, we get ready to close out here, Michael, tell the people where they can find you and what you're up to these days. Yeah, I am still hosting the Alligator Sports podcast uh, for the Alligator, the student newspaper here. Uh, UF basketball season just got underway, so I brought on Jackson Reyes. Shout out Jackson. He's the women's basketball reporter for the Alligator. Uh, new era for both the women's and the men's teams. Uh, Kelly Ray Finley takes over as their full-time head coach on the women's side, and Todd Golden comes over from um, over in California moves cross country to, to coach the Gators men's team. So they talked all about that. Check that episode out. Just dropped today. Um, yeah, I'm just hosting that podcast, writing a little bit um, and kind of trying to figure out what I'm going to do with the rest of my life, which is really fun. It's so much fun. Uh, if you want some Jaguars content, some Orlando magic content, Paulo Bancaro might be the best player of all time. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to say it. I think he's the best player of all time. Oh, wow. Um, that that was you, quick. <laughs> you can find takes like that on my Twitter at Michael underscore hole. It's 33 weeks, Michael. <laughs> uh, it's been three weeks of pure joy is what it's been. I don't care that the Magic only won, I think, two games in that stretch. He's looked like the best player of all time. Um, yeah, and if you want Magic content, Jags content, Gators content, some Saints content, I'm still doing stuff for them. Follow me at Michael underscore Hall 33. Jack, what have you been up to? Yeah, so I, I've been up to uh, a decent bit. I'm still making this podcast, doing podcasts uh, all around the student media poll. You can follow me on Twitter at Jack Duffy. I tweet a lot about Georgia, Atlanta sports. The Hawks are, are good. Uh, DeJounte Murray and Trey Young are much better than Paulo Bencaro. So uh, there's that. Uh Georgia basketball already has one Mike, out of, <laughs> Mike White era is off to a rousing success. We've already got one win. That is almost as many as we had all of last season. So Who'll get you to 500. Who'll get so you to 500? We're going to, we're, we're going to be hopeful this year about Georgia men's basketball. And that's how I feel. Um, but yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Jack Duffy. Follow at Student Media Twenty Five. We put out polls every week, starting to put out polls for men's and women's basketball. Uh, 
follow this podcast at stud s or sec smp that is at stud sec smp um for updates uh on this podcast whenever we release episodes uh and yeah uh come back next week when we talk all things sec football and break down week 11 which is crazy to think we're already at week 11 but yeah come back next week and we will see you guys later